Oh, good morning, everyone. Uh, I need I need more than that. Good morning, everyone. Uh, whoever that was, thank you. <laughs> um, I'm gonna need you today more than any other Sunday. I think. Um, I just need your help to preach this thing today. Um, our Spanish people, t- our Spanish speaking um, service, they they thought we didn't have another service. So they thought we were going to just stay here and and just dwell, dwell, dwell. And it was, I'm like, man, I got another service and we got another message to preach. But uh, the Lord is in this room. Amen for those that believe it. And I believe that he's going to continue to do what he started this morning, man. We experienced a such a powerful move of God. And I am so excited to have you here. Um, I see a lot of uh, new faces, so welcome. Um, it's our pleasure for you. It's our pleasure for us. See? this. It's a pleasure for us to have you. And um, we're in the middle of a series called Keep the Change. And this Sunday was scheduled to be the last Sunday of the series. But it's been so good, right? And it's been, it's been eye-opening in, in many ways that we have decided to extend this series uh, for a couple of more Sundays because I believe that there's a little more that the Lord wants to give us. Now, if you've been here for the past three weeks, does anything stick out to you? Anything that you can remember about the past messages about Keep the Change? Anything. Let's go. Anyone? You got to protect the change? The change you need may not be the change that you want. What else about keep the change? You need change that makes sense, right? Come on, preacher. <laughs> we may not know how to ask for the healing we need, right? Um, and there's so much on keep the change. And last week was one of my favorites. We were talking about protecting your progress, right? And we were saying that it serves you nothing if you change and you can't protect what you've changed, right? And we talked about the story of Nehemiah, how he rebuilt the walls, right? And that he left and when he came back, it was a disaster. So he needed to evict people out of the house of the Lord and we were just talking about the fact that you need to be zealous about the change. It's co- it's cost you something, right? Where you are today is cost you, yes or no? So you can't just squander that. You can't just you can't just give it up, man. You gotta protect your change. And today, I need you to walk with me. Tell your neighbor, walk with Pastor. So I need you to walk with me. I need you to be patient. We're you know just. You know, t- you know, fasten your seatbelts. I promise you that I will land the plane safely. Uh, we're we're going to go through some turbulence, right? Those are the words I don't want to hear. <laughs> if you've known me enough, I- I'm scared of flying. Well, let me rephrase that. I'm, I, I respect flying, right? The, whole, the Holy Spirit is still working in my life in that aspect. And, you know, who I, whoever I'm traveling with, I hold on tight to. Like, if it mattered, right? <laughs> if something's going to happen, it don't matter if I'm holding tight or not. But I just get a feeling of security when I'm holding tight onto something once we're 30,000 feet in the air. But anyhow, um, I would promise you that I will land this plane at the end, but you just need to bear with me. Is that cool? All right, so we're going to be talking about David, King David. And we know more about King David other than Jesus. We know more about King David than any other character in the Bible. Even Jesus, there's a pause between, he was, between when he was a teenager to the, to the fulfillment of his ministry that no one knows about. But David, we know like the whole shebang about David, right? When he was chosen to be, you know, king, everything he endured after he was king, him and his bipolar self, I have diagnosed him as bipolar for sure. If you don't believe me, read the book of Psalms. In one psalm, he's exalting the Lord. And in the other psalm, it's like, take my life, oh Lord. Take me, I don't deserve to. So he wasn't diagnosed, but I'm pretty sure, without a shadow of a doubt, that David has some bipolar. Whatever, that's just personal uh, opinion. But, but we know a lot about David. And there are two, 
are two separate chapters that I'm going to touch on today that they may seem that they're divorced from one another, but they truly relate to one another. And the first one is in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and the other one is 1 Samuel, but chapter 21. And one of the things that change does is that change unleashes potential that you didn't know you had. For those that work out, right? When you start working out and you start going and it's been like a few weeks, you're like, man, I'm, I'm stronger than, than what I thought, right? It's like we seem to undervalue our potential. Does that happen to you? Like, does it happen to you that you walk into circles that you feel unqualified? Is that only me? Or, or you feel overqualified? I need some of your anointing if you do. But... You walk into situations that you say, this is too much for me, too large. I'm not equipped. I'm not prepared. I don't have the resume to, 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 to face this. And one of the things that change does is that unleashes a potential in you that you didn't know you had. So that's like when you start serving in an area, people start looking at you and like, you know, that was a great word. And you're like, for, for me? Yeah, what you told me yesterday when we when you prayed over me, man, that was right on point. And you were like, okay. Because when you start changing, it starts unleashing things in your life that you thought weren't possible. Is that speaking to someone today? Is that good for someone, right? So this is what, what's going on. And let me catch you up on the story. So in those times, in order to save the bloodbath, what they would do is like I say, let's say Miami and New York have beef, right? So they were like, if we send everyone from Miami to fight everyone from New York, a lot of people are going to die. So what they would do is like, hey, let's choose our best warrior, and we're going to send that warrior to fight their best warrior right now. This is the caveat. If my warrior won, not only that warrior was my slave, but that whole city became enslaved to me. What does that mean, Pastor? Well... That meant that you needed to be very sure or of who you sent to war. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? So if, if I have a representative from my city, I want to make sure that that representative is the, is the biggest warrior, is the strongest, is the one that can bench press the most, is the one that has the most endurance, that can jump the highest, that knows how to throw a sword. Whatever it is, it's representing me. Kind of like Jesus did, right? Did anyone in this place die at a cross? No, but he gave us victory, so we inherit that victory because he was our warrior. Amen? Amen. So kind of, kind of the same dynamic. So they're like, the Philistines, they were like, oh, we got a guy. We've been breeding him since he was young. We got Goliath. Historians and theologians believe that Goliath was about 9 foot 8 inches. Think about that. We got some guys in the NBA that are like 7'2", seven, 7'3", and they look, have you seen Bobin, the guy that comes out in the Jack, what is it, John Wick movies? Nobody here? He's okay, my bad. He's like, The Rock is like 6'4", 6'5". So this guy, like, think about one of those NBA tall dudes that are, think about Shaq, anyone? Shaq crosses borders. So Shaq is seven, 7 feet 1 inch, right? So think about. Shaq, and think about a dude that's 9'8". This was Goliath. So Goliath, they are breeding him since he's, he's young. Hey, listen, there's a scheduled battle down the line, and you are a guy, so we're going to prepare you for war. The people of Israel, it was supposed to be Saul. Scripture says that Saul, his head was he kind of Douglas, like Douglas, right? That Douglas, you can ask him what's the temperature up there, and Douglas will be like, raise your hand, Douglas. It's going to rain? Yeah, he's going to rain. So he would stand like Head and shoulders, Saul would stand head and shoulders among the people of Israel. But Saul chickened out. So this is what happened. They're engaging in war, and David was a simple shepherd. Tell your neighbor, shepherd. So all he was doing was just attending the sheep, you know, just being a little, little shepherd boy, minding his own business. And the dad says, hey, listen, your brothers are going into battle, and I need you to go to IHOP and get them some you know, some, some Vicky Bakery, get them some pastelito, get them some 
Café con leche and just bring them breakfast. So this is what happens, and I'm just giving you a summary of the story. He says, okay, Dad, I'll go. That was, read scripture, that's 1 Samuel 17. That's all what he was doing, just bringing them breakfast. So when he shows up to bring him breakfast, scripture says that Goliath the giant was pacing back and forth, mocking the armies of God. In other words, we're like, I'm ready. Who wants some of this smoke? Who, who's ready for me? And scripture says that the people of Israel were like, you, king, you, you, David walks into the scenario and he sees that they're like dilly dallying with who's gonna fight. Bible says that he told everyone that he said, Is there not a cause? See, when you unleash the potential in you and you run into your destiny, you're able to do things that you thought that your previous assignment couldn't help you for that. Does that make sense to anyone? David is a simple shepherd boy, and now he's carrying on his shoulders the weight of all of his people. Can you imagine that? So this is where we pick up the story, and we, we see in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 40. Are you guys good with that background? Does that make sense to anyone? All right, cool. So before he goes into war, this is what he does. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream, and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with a shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Let's pause right there. Your attention, please. Go back to that verse. So before David goes to fight Goliath, he goes onto the streams to pick up five smooth, five smooth stones and in order to get down to the brook and, and pick up from the stream, he needed to get on his knees, right? Because there are battles that we're going to face in our lives that are going to require that we get on our knees in preparation before we walk into them. Yeah. See, he knew he needed something in his back in order to fight the giant. See, and I think that many of us don't run into the giant. Don't run to our destiny because we don't have anything in the bag. I, I, no one's talking to me over here, so I'm going to move over here. You guys are mad or something? Scripture says that he puts five smooth stones in the bag. And he started to go across. Some versions say he started to run across the valley to fight the Philistine. And I wonder... If in this room we understand how important it is to bow before God before we enter a battle. Like, do you know what's in your pouch before you face the giant? And I think that many of us don't have the, uh, the strength or don't have the vision to fight the giant because we're afraid that our bag is empty. Something beautiful about David is that he fought with the weapons he knew how to use. This is key. What does that mean, Pastor? What does that mean? That means that whatever you need for the battle that you're facing, it's already in your hands. See, and I think some of us become uh, trapped in this comparison and thinking maybe I don't have a mic in my hands or I don't speak like that or I don't play like that or I don't sing like that so I can't overcome and I don't have a breakthrough but David said hey listen I can't put on all that armor stuff I don't know how to use that what I do know how to use is a sling and what I do know how to use is pack some rocks see See the beauty of what potential, of what, of what change unleashes? See, some of us are looking at our season and we're thinking that this small beginning means nothing. And what the Lord is saying is right here where you are, right here in this moment, in this season in your life, you have what you need to walk into the destiny I prepared for you. See, but we have to view things from the right perspective. If David would have said, hey, listen, I have no background in war, right? I just came with the deuces. Y'all do what y'all going to do. I, I got to go back home because this is not even my assignment. But when he saw the opportunity, he was faced with a decision to walk into his destiny. And I think that many of us are scared because we undervalue our testimony. 
See, I came to tell someone today that the things that you've gone through could have killed someone else. I came to tell someone today that the things that you've gone through, someone else would have lost their mind. But today the Lord has you here with, with a pouch, with a sling, and with stones to walk into your giant. And for you to know that whatever you've gone through is enough. You are enough. So he walks and he runs into his destiny, man. And, and he says, you know, I'm going to deliver you. He tells them. He tells the giant. Man, David had some courage. I'm, I wanted to use another word, but I'm preaching. David had some courage, man. He said, I am going to deliver you. In other words, you're done. In other words, I don't know what your plan is. You come with me with a sword, but I come with you in the name of God. Man, and David was so bold. See, because when you... And I know that as I'm speaking, many of you are thinking about opportunities that you may have missed in your life where you felt that, hey, listen, I wasn't prepared enough. I didn't have enough. And, and you might have felt that that window closed. But I tell you this morning, that window is not closed. There is a giant waiting for you. And he's mocking the armies of Israel, just waiting for you to say, hey, listen, is there not a cause? Scripture says that David looked around and said, why y'all? What y'all doing? Y'all haven't seen God's hand move before? Is there not a cause? He said, I got this. I'll be right back. And, and, and the art would have said, le dio una tremenda pedra. That's all he did. That's all he did. Next verse. Is, 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 we're still good? Still making sense? This is key right here. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards him. Man, this dude was bold. I would have been standing behind a tree like, is he gone? Hey, is he there? Did he get tired of waiting? The Bible says that he was pacing back and forth, mocking them, yelling, aren't you guys uh, the people of God, the people that God had chosen? He said he ran to meet them. Man, because when you see your destiny unfolding before your eyes, you have no other option than to run and meet with it. And reaching into his bag as he ran, right? So David was skilled. I can imagine David had done this a million times. Mm, Y'all missed that. Yeah, I missed that. David had done this a million times, running off some wolves on the sheep. See, and lions, everything is a preparation. Tell your neighbor, everything is a preparation. See, I came to tell you that no season is lost in Jesus' hand. Everything that you've gone through, your testimony today is just a buildup of seasons that the Lord has allowed you to endure. Because when you open your mouth and tell someone else, they're going to say, and how, you, how are you still sane today? See, we got to understand that our testimony is not for us. Our testimony is for them. And sometimes we place so, such a low value in what the Lord has done. And someone needs to hear, yes, he healed my marriage. Yes, he healed my body. Yes, he, 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 he got me out of depression. Yes, he provided he made a way where there was no way, but see, you can't run from Goliath. You got to run towards, towards Goliath. And as he ran, he, I says, reaching into his bag and taking out a single stone, he slung it and he struck the Philistine in the forehead. Translation, le dio una pedra. <laughs> Scripture says that the stone sank into his forehead. And he fell face on the ground. He fell, he fell face forward. So now we have 17, right? So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone. Everyone say sling and stone. Without a sword. In other words, he used what he knew how to use, right? With a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him, right? David ran and stood over him. That was just like, he was just bragging at this point, right? He's like, what's up? You said you were going to do whatever. You ain't going to do nothing. You're going to do nothing. He, stand and, he ran and stood over him. Remember, Scripture says David was like, well, not Scripture. Theologians believe David was about like 661. Can you imagine? It's like, oh, who's the giant now? So he took, this is very key here. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and he drew it from his, what is it, seat, sheath? 
killed him. He cut off his head with that sword. Important detail here. He didn't have a sword, but he used Goliath's sword to cut off his head. He didn't have a sword, but he used Goliath's sword to cut off his head. Are we good till there? So then I remember I said 1 Samuel 17 and 1 Samuel 21. Now, you could say, hey, there was a couple of just chapters in between, but so many years happen between 17 and 21. So let me give you a little background of what happened. So after David does this, they said, well, this is our man, right? Everybody's chickened out. Everybody's scared. So this is our guy. I mean, th th this guy beat the nine feet. This is our guy. So David gets promoted, right? Because one of the things that the Lord does is that he validates you in front of others. One of the things the Lord does is that you don't need to fight your battles. He fights them for you. And what he does is what others looked at things that, oh, he's just a simple shepherd boy. God now exalts you. And now God puts you into high places. So David becomes, he comes, he becomes like the, the head of the army, right? They're like, well, this guy may not, may not have training like in, in warfare. But one thing we can't deny is that he beat Goliath. And everyone in this room was scared, so he gets the he gets the position. So he gets the position, right? So he marries Saul's daughter, right? And he starts escalating the ranks, so much so that the people now start making up songs about David. But there's a problem here. There was a king, which was his father-in-law. <laughs> king Saul, right? So Saul is like, you know... I'm king, he's just the leader of the army, I'm still king. But people start singing his praise. So people start saying, and singing, sorry, Saul killed a thousand, but David, <laughs> a little uh, drum beat, David killed 10,000. Now Saul is like, Saul is salty. <laughs> those are the jokes, people, those are the jokes. Saul is salty. Saul is like, hold on, time out. What do you mean they're singing his praises? I am the king. See, my dad has always told me this, and this is really not spiritual. People want to see you blessed. People just don't want to see, see you more blessed than them. So Saul is like, let's find him, let's kill him. In six different occasions, man, if you read the book of 1 Samuel, and yeah, 1 Samuel, you'll see... For, for anyone that says that the Bible is boring, Stefo, you're boring. There's so much in Scripture. There's wars. There's, he, he plotted to kill David like six times. He said he was going to kill him in his sleep. He, he, he found, he was finding ways. So David got ear of that. He's like, man, I could kill him, but I need to stay in my position and in my posture. And I can't touch God's anointed until it's my time to walk into the fulfillment of the promise. Let me give you some background. It was 20 years from the moment that David was anointed to be king to the fulfillment of the promise. And I think that just for anyone in the room that's wanting to walk out prematurely, see, whatever God does, it's going to take time. Think about it. 20 years, you're going to be king. But not today, not tomorrow, not next week, hey, not even next year. 20 years so so David is starting to run he's like you know what if if this dude catches me he's gonna kill me and if it's gonna come down to it I'm gonna kill him so so what I'm gonna do is this, I, I, I'm gonna start running and then Jonathan comes which is one of his best friends and say hey listen it's true King Saul is salty he wants to kill you he's looking to kill you your best bet is to run so David knew he had no time so he had no time even to pack a bag so he starts running as a fugitive. Tell your neighbor, fugitive. So where did he go, pastor? The, pastor, the question is, that, is, where did he go, pastor? The answer is, he went to a place called Nob. Tell your neighbor, Nob. Nob. Nob is where they kept the Ark of the Covenant. And later, Nob is truly Calvary where Jesus died. And it's a decision that David goes and he finds a place and he finds a guy called Abimelech. Say Abimelech. So what happens is that he meets this guy. I know it's a lot, but it's going to make sense. I told you, turbulence, right? We're going to land this plane. So he finds this guy, and he says, listen, King Saul wants to kill me. I need you to protect me. 
And by the way, I'm hungry. And he's like, well, I can protect you, but the only food that I have is the, uh, the bread of communion, right? It's the bread that we're using for communion. And he's like, well, I'm hungry. In that time, it would have been, been frowned upon for him to share the bread of communion for someone that's hungry because it was something that was holy. This is what the Lord told me about that. Sometimes we're too married to rituals and to processes that we forget about grace. See, it would have been best for her not to become pregnant as a teenager. It would have been best for the divorce not to happen. But this is where grace comes in. See, it, it, it would have been best if he did, didn't do the drugs. But this is where grace happens. This is where we extend grace. And, and he extended grace. If you think about it, he would have said, no, all the food we have is for communion. David would have died. And this is where we pick up the story. So now I bring you to chapter 21. We still good? So David asked Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon. I was running because the king's mission was so urgent. Verse 9. The priest replied, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah is here. And it's wrapped in cloth behind the ephod. Ephod it was like a holy... Um, garment yeah and if you want to take it take it there is no sword here but that one David said there is none like it <laughs> yeah like ooh, I remember <laughs> there is none like it give it to me the title of the message and we're like halfway but the title of the message kicks in right here you got to get ahead of yourself and I know that conventional wisdom tells you to not get ahead of yourself, right? Like, if you get a job today, don't buy a new car tomorrow thinking you're going to have the job by the end of the year, right? Or buy a house thinking about that bonus at the end of the year that may not come. But what I'm saying is that unless you prepare yourself in chapter 17, you won't have anything to reap in chapter 21. See, there is a law in scripture, the law of reaping, of sowing and reaping, right? You reap what? You so, so David had access to the sword in chapter 21 because he was able to sow it in chapter 17. There's a joke here. Uh, David got ahead of Goliath. David got the head. Thank you, Mar. He, see, he, he got ahead of Goliath. And Proverbs 4.26, which is my next verse, says this. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast for all of your ways. See, I, I posted something the other day and I said, reaping seasons are not always fun. So be careful what you sow. See, God can forgive you. God can restore you. But sometimes we start reaping the things that we sown, and now we're mad at God. And God was like, hey, listen, no, I healed you, but there are still consequences of that. See, sometimes we want to jump over the consequences, and the Lord's like, this is not how I work. I'm not a magician. I am a restorer. And the way I restore you is by sharpening your character. <laughs> and you're going to have to go through some things that you sow. See, I can't ask God to take my kids away when I decided to have three kids before the age. I hope, I hope this is landing for somebody. I can't be upset about getting married early because that's what I saw. I need, I'm talking to somebody today. I can't be mad at the job I have today because I decided not to go to school. See? God will never go back. God will never go back on his word. And you will reap. Is it sweeter with Jesus? Yes. That's why we need him. We all need him. But we still are going to reap what we sow. 
What kind of seeds are you sowing? When people come in contact with you, do you feel alone? Think about which were the seeds that you sown, you were sowing, and now you feel that you're alone. Now you feel somebody's sick and you don't have $100 for a medicine. What, what did you sow? See, because if you don't sow in chapter 17, there's no sword there for you in chapter 21. You wake up one day and you feel like you don't know your spouse. You wake up one day and you're like, how did we get here? Let's, 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 let's check the ground. Casting Crowns has a song that will outlive any other song. It's called Slow Fade. It says nothing ever crumbles in a day. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a, it's a slow, it's a slow fade. And you got to give careful. That's why you got to get ahead of yourself. See, I can't wait to be asked the question to know the answer. See, I, I tell people all the time, how do I, how are we raising our kids? We're teaching them the answer before they're asked the question. That's the key of, of raising kids. That's it. There's, there's really no formula to it. They know the answer before they're in their situation. And I think that for many of us, we're running towards Goliath with an empty pouch. And, and when you're ready to dig in, and that, man, and that, there's not a worse feeling than you digging and you feeling that empty. And Goliath is running towards him, Scripture says. What are you going to do? And when we come to the house of the Lord, what you're doing today, you're sowing seeds in this house. You're sowing seeds for the moments that, that are going to come and you're going to need them. And that you will automatically drag yourself to church just by instinct. You're like, oh, oh I'm here. I didn't even know. Because you need to have the sword sewn in 17 to go pick it up in 21. And I think that for many of us, it happens also in the financial aspect. Some of us, Lord, give me another job. Lord, you know, bless me. Lord, my, it's like, okay, where's the sword? So we show up to 21 asking God, hey, God, bless me. I need more money. I said, listen, there is no sword. There is no return on your investment. <laughs> See, I think that for many of us, we have settled with just getting by. And I include myself in that category. And I was looking at the definition, and I don't have it up there, but the definition in the dictionary, and this is what it, what it defines getting by as succeeding with the least effort as possible. Succeeding with the least effort as possible. I think, and it happens to all of us, we rely so much on gifting, but we tend to forget that gifting is going to wear out one day. See? You have to shine and you have to be great when no one is looking. See, you can't activate the gift when the lights are on. David was able to run towards Goliath because he had preparation. He had seasons in which no one was watching, yet he was being faithful in the little. I texted someone the other day. I said, hey, how you doing? He said, I'm alive. I'm just, I'm right where the Lord wants me to be. I don't know about you, but I want the fullness of everything the Lord has for me. I heard an old preacher said, I don't want to go to heaven and have Lord show me a room there. Like, there was all your blessings, but you never worked for them. That was some old school preaching. We don't preach like that anymore. It's like, there was a storehouse with your name on it, and we didn't, you didn't get them because you didn't work for them. I want everything the Lord has for me. So give careful thought to your past. So you're still with me? You're still with me? Why? Next slide. Because what you're fighting through will one day fight for you. What you're fighting through will one day fight for you. He was fighting through Goliath. He was needing that sword. And one day that sword was there for him. 
see, going back to the testimony piece, you're going to find yourself in situations and people are going to gravitate to you that are going to ask you about things that you overcame. You're going to have people with marital problems if that's what you've had. You're going to ask people with addiction problems if that's what you have. Like, oh, Lord, why are you sending me uh, with that? Because what you were fighting through one day is one day going to fight for you. See, and I believe that your gift opens up room for you. See, David didn't have to go into display or look at me here or, yeah, I killed a bear, I killed a lion, select me, select me. No, he just showed up to the spot and what he was fighting for, what he was fighting through one day fought for him. And I'm going to give you and I'm going to go quickly through just four things from this story, four takeaways. Number one, next, you got to be courageous. Scripture calls us to be courageous in the book of Joshua, but one of the beautiful things about this passage is that David ran towards Goliath. And I think that one of the, one of the biggest illnesses that we have is procrastination. I heard a preacher say one that procrastination is when we have the illusion that we are in control of our lives. See? And, and I was like, it's true. Because if I tell you, hey, God bless you, see you Sunday, how do I know? See, procrastination tells us that the opportunity is going to be there tomorrow. Procrastination gives us the false illusion <laughs> that we are in control of the outcome of our lives. He said, no, I'm going to run towards the giant. And I think that so many of us are so hesitant. Haven't you felt stuck? Anyone, anyone that can relate to me? Run. Run. I feel this word is for someone today. Run towards the giant. It's not going to go away by you dreaming it away or you wishing it away. You're going to have to face that giant. But in order to face that giant, you need something in your pouch. And I, and I applaud his effort, but I also love his confidence. With no background, no military background, he steps into the situation and he tells him. This is the importance of speaking things into existence. He said, I am going to deliver you into the hands of my people. How did he know? He was sure of what he carried. Someone say something. Are we good? See, when you are sure of what you carry, you're able to look the giant in the face and say, hey, listen, you don't scare me. I am going to deliver you. I preached the message and said, the worst thing you can do, devil, is kill me. And if you kill me, I'm going to be in his presence, so I win anyways. That's, that's good theology right there. Are we, pray, are we preaching that we're going to heaven? So where's the fear? My dad says that if it was because of the Christians, <laughs> heaven will be empty. No one wants to die. We preach about heaven, and we preach about one day seeing his presence, and something comes, it's like, oh, my way I'm going in. The worst that thing that can happen to you is the best thing that can happen to you. That's what Paul said. You got to be courageous, man. You got to be courageous. And if you were to think about so many giants that are still standing from afar, that when you peek to see if it's still there, they're still there. See, there are giants that are for you to conquer. No one else is going to conquer them for you. Ouch, right? If you can't say amen, say ouch. Nor your neighbor, nor your spouse, nor your pastor. No one is going to pray that thing away but you. You were anointed for that giant. Shake your neighbor and say, come on, go face your giant. In other words, you got to run towards the roar. You know why you got to do it? Say why. Well, you know why you got to do it? Because the giant comes to mock you in the moments that you feel has been gone. And it comes and it gives you the reminder that, hey, listen, I see you happy. <laughs> I see you joyful. <laughs> I see you too, too excited. I'm still here. 
see that that day that addiction wants to kick back in when that depression starts knocking in your door and you were like man I thought I was over this well did you fight it me diste una pedra did you fight it or did you just hide it see Christian walk is about facing our giants and there're going to be many of them but the sweet part of it is that Jesus will walk with us he told the giant you come to me with sword but i come to you in the name of jehovah the almighty jehovah host so you got to be courageous tell your neighbor be courageous next verse i'm moving on 1754 David took the Philistine the Philistine's head and he brought it to Jerusalem. He put the Philistine's weapon in his own tent. This is what's beautiful about this. Are you still with me? Yeah. You still with me? Yeah. He kept the armor for himself, but he put the sword in the Lord's house. I'll say that again. He kept the armor for himself. That's what it says there, the weapons and the armor. he kept them for himself, but he brought the sword to the tent this is what's happening with david he needed the head as a trophy as a reminder that every time he got in his feelings he can look at goliath said as that if he did it before he can do it again see the armor reminded him of a battle now the sword needed to be in the tent because he needed to remind himself that it was the lord that did it and not him see if david keeps the sword What happens with the sword by the time he needs it in chapter 21? Thank you for. Next cuz I know y'all tired. No, next uh be generous. Be generous. Thank you. You got to be generous. Got to be generous. David didn't receive the sword at Nob just because he took it from Goliath. He received it because he knew where to put it. And this is the question which is the next slide that I was asking myself and I want you to ask yourself today. What is my lack of giving preventing God to give me? What is my lack of giving preventing God to give me? The number one prayer people pray is about financial provision. It's the number one prayer request. It's the number one prayer that we right? It's a number one conversation of people's life, man. It's it's tough, man. I I'm just I'm 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 check to check. I'm not thriving. I'm 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 surviving. And the question I ask myself is what is my lack of giving preventing God to give me? See, David knew where to put the sword. He said I need to put the sword in the Lord's house. So let me ask you that. What is I ask myself this question but I'm asking you what is your lack of giving preventing you see generosity unlocks something in the spiritual realm that you have no idea Amen. see it's not even about being generous not only to sow into your church but being generous with people see even if you feel they don't deserve it or if they have more than you you don't know what the lord is unlocking with that I'll give you a quick testimony, really quick. Are you good? There was one Sunday that we were here. This was like two years ago. I believe I was jobless, right? And we only had one service. And someone after the service, yeah, like three, four years ago, someone after the service, um, I had a suit on, slips like an a hundred dollar bill to me. How do we know pastor was a 100 dollar bill cuz when I felt it was cash I I looked at it. <laughs> well, hey, and and I was this is a card I can be honest. It we were struggling. And I was like, "Praise God, this is gas, this is food. God, don't you make a way when there's no way." So we stayed here longer like we usually do. The service is over and people don't y'all be talking out here and and I want to drag you home but we we don't and we stayed talking forever. We we even put seats like 
facing each other. Like, what were we thinking of doing? Anyway, when we're coming outside, there is a lady that's walking in crying. Her car had broken down like two streets from here. She's crying. She was in an abusive relationship. And we're like telling her, listen, we have food there from the food pantry so you can take it. The Lord tells me, give her those $100. I said, the devil is alive. <laughs> I rebuke you, Satan. We got her the food. And she's like, can you pray for me? And as we're praying, the Lord said, William, no te me hagas loco. You acting all dumb here. Give her those $100. I'm like, Lord, but we don't know what's going to happen. It was so much to pull that I was like, man, I think something's going to happen to me if I don't do this. It, don't believe, I, was, I didn't do it with joy, right? <laughs> Let, let's get that clear. I did not do that with joy. So I gave her the $100. And we were like, and I tell Marianne, I was like, Marianne, you know, this is what happened during service. She's like, okay. We survived the week. And when we come next Sunday, there is a, a, some of you guys know, La Hermana Ologia, she comes to the Spanish service. She's like, Pastor, I want to talk to you. And we're like, I was like, okay. So she's like, um, see, my son Edwin, he doesn't come to church. But he felt this week that he needed to bless you and your family. I was like, okay. So she put a check in my hand and we left. I was like, I'm not even going to look at it because if I look at it, somebody's going to show up and I'll have to get. <laughs> you live and you learn, right? I was like, Marianne, get in the car. <laughs> And um, Marianne is my witness. We got home. And when I opened the check, the check was for $1,200. And um, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. It's really not about amounts. It could have been 20. It could have been 50. Because I know pastors talking about money. Is a t but forget about the amount. I'm just telling you that generosity unlocks something. That when we're generous and when we are looking at the need and we're obedient to what the Lord says, he unlocks. So from that moment on, as tough as it seems, when the Lord says, bless that person or bless my house, we've gone above and beyond with our tithing and our giving. God shows up every single time. And I know that there are testimonies in the room of how the Lord has made a way when it may seem like, because trust me, I needed those $100. So what is my lack of giving preventing the Lord to do? Number three, and I'm moving on, or four, or three, right? Just be constant. Be constant. One of the things with David is that he knew what he was about. And I know that many times life is going to push us in many directions. And, you know, we're here one day, we're not. We, we're strong one day. And I'm not saying life is not going to throw you things. Don't. Life is going to get tough. Things are going to happen. You're going to get stuff happen. Sickness is going to happen. Uh, people are going to die. But things are going to get tough. But you need to learn to be consistent, to be constant. To say, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. To say, this is what I believe. I know in whom I believe. I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to see this thing through. I'm not going to run away from it. Because I know that the Lord can do it. So I'm going to remain constant. See, I am a firm believer and I love the suddenlies of God. God can do something suddenly. But typically, God does things through processes. Typically, is praying 50 times, and in that 51st time, God is going to do it. It wasn't the 51st time. It was the habit of doing it every day. 
Because when we are consistent in his word, that opens up space, remember, for holy moments. Next slide. Samuel 17, 36 says, your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. In other words, I've seen this before. I'm prepared. So this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them. Because he has defied the armies of the Lord. And my last point is be loyal. Loyalty is such a commodity that does not go around much these days. Because everyone truly is out to get what they can. But David teaches us that even though you have what it takes to kill the person that's trying to kill you, the Lord is saying, just wait on me and I'll do it. David had not only the backing, but David already had the experience to kill Saul. He knew his bedroom. He knew every space that was, he could have just, dale otra pedra. <laughs> but he respected the anointed of God because he said, you know what, in due time, the Lord is going to deliver me from you too. Bible says that we need our yes needs to be yes and our no needs to be no. Are you a person of your word? Are you a person of integrity or do you turn on the gift when the lights are on? David said, this guy is going to be no different than what I did when no one was watching. In other words, my loyalty to my gift, my loyalty to the secret places, my loyalty to where no one was looking is going to allow me to prevail when everyone is looking. This is the thing, people. We truly reap what we sow. And I've made a promise to myself. I don't want to be surprised in chapter 21. I don't want to say, oh, how did that happen? Oh, you know very well how that happened. Sometimes we like have this selective memory. Like, how do we even get, that's some of the things we say, how do we get here? Well, roll the tape. Take it back. You know exactly how we got here. And I believe that some of us, this is what the Lord told me as I was preparing this message. For some of us that have lost the passion and the zeal for his word, for his house, He's returning that back to you. In the name of Jesus, he's returning that back to you. Some of us have lost the ability to dream. And I was like, man, when we were younger, right, before you got messed up with life, you would ask a, ch a child, what do you want to be? And it was like something huge. I want to be an astronaut, right? Or I want to be. You had no, no, no fear of the implications that that came with because you had a childlike faith. Can I take you back to the moment that you met the Lord? The moment that you were on fire, where did that go? You say, well, how did that happen? You, you know how it happened. See, if we want something to pick up on 21, <laughs> we need to sew that thing in 17. See, I don't want to wake up one day and my children be teenagers. Like, Shiloh is about to be 10, and that's like it's moving too fast. But I don't want to wake up one day and say, man, what happened to my boys? You know what happened, Will. You substituted the house of the Lord for other things. You know what happened. You substituted prayer time. For, don't, don't come and ask me what happened. You know what happened. Is it, is it, is it registering with someone? One day we wake up and there's no passion to pray. One day there's, there's no passion to read the word. There's no passion to go to church. What happened? You didn't pack the bag. You didn't sew the sword. But the beauty of Christ is that it's never too late. And you can always start today. That's what grace is all about. Grace is not about me telling you I'm better. It's not about that. Grace is like right where you are. He meets you and he can make all things new right now in the name of Jesus. I want to dream again. I 
I want to think that I can truly defeat Goliath. Some of us have been so contaminated with this world or even the words that we've received, letting us know that we can't do anything, that you are not enough, that this, this is the way your marriage is going to be, this is the way that your children are, this is the way, this is the job you're going to have for the rest of your life. Who said that? Who said that? And today, you have a choice. Will you run from Goliath? Or will you run towards the roar and run towards Goliath? Is this good for anyone in the room today? Was this helpful for anyone in the room today? Let's stand to our feet. And I'll close with this verse, Psalm 27, 4. This is one of my favorite verses in scripture. And you can take a picture. You can note it down in your Bible app. And this is kind of like a personal prayer, but I took from David. And I think you can take too. It says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. Hey, is God everywhere? Yes, God is everywhere. But he built this church for something, for us to come and dwell in the house of the Lord. I posted something yesterday and I said that some of us have been praying for something for so long and we don't need more wisdom. We don't need more scripture. What we need is community. I was telling someone, hey, listen, dude, you got you to you gotta get to, you got to get to whatever church. Internet can't feed you forever. Podcast can't feed you forever. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 25, it says, do not stop congregating. There is power when we come in community. And the reason is because you look at someone that's going to pull you up and say, hey, listen, I get you. Or someone that's going to say, pray for me. And you're like, but I'm struggling myself. But when you pray for them, you find your own peace and healing. Does that happen to someone? You're like, man, I'm struggling in that area. And you are asking me to pray in that area. And when you pray for that person, you, you start unleashing <laughs> that change, that warrior that you thought was just a pastor boy. Shepherds one. So this is what I want us to do today. If if this sits well in your spirit, there's a song I asked the team to do. This song says, I'm gonna see a victory, I'm gonna see a victory because the battle belongs to you, Lord. Right. So everyone in this room has a giant or giants. All of us. All of us. The question is, what are you going to do about it? First thing you need to do is to reload your pouch. Because you don't want to show empty hand, or show up empty-handed. Because if you if you place put your hand in the bag and there's nothing there, Goliath's gonna stop you. So the first thing is that we need to get on our knees, get down to the brook, and pick up some stones. Now, when God gives you the victory. You need to sow something in the Lord's house. Whatever that is, your gift, your talent, your resources, whatever, you got to bring the sword to the Lord's house so you know it was him and not you. And the third thing you need to do, for many of us, we have so many trophies at home. And when I'm talking about trophies, I'm not talking about I-9 sports trophies. I'm talking about trophies of past victories. There's people in the room that God healed your marriage. There's people in the room that God healed your womb, that you couldn't have children and God gave them. There's people in the room that God made way when there was no way. There's people in the room with, with that had sicknesses that were really bound to die and the Lord restored them and healed their bodies. So you have some heads. God has done something before. So it's time to look at those heads and say, hey, listen, I need to reload my pouch because I have another Goliath that I need to conquer. So as the music plays, for now, let's just worship the Lord. And I believe that there's a breakthrough in the room. 
I believe he's ready to do some things in our lives. But let's just be free in worship. Can we do that? Can we do that?